This is the At 530 on Main podcast. I'm Sean Collins. And I'm Mike Davis. And we're here to discuss the convergence of digital and physical experiences in today's world. With Extend Group as an expert in designing online experiences and VPS Architecture, an expert on creating physical experiences, you will hear unique discussions on technology, theory, and more that merges our separate areas of expertise into one podcast experience. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy today's At 530 on Main podcast episode. We are so blessed, Mike and I, today at the At 530 on Main podcast brought to you by Extend Group and VPS Architecture. We have a, an amazing group. We have not only one, not only two, but three <laughs> amazing individuals in the Extension podcast studio this morning to talk about the Notes Will Carry Me Home book. It is uh, a collection. Actually, I'm going to let someone uh, go through and give me uh, give me their experience of the book. Uh, a collection of writings about uh, the music experience here in Evansville, Indiana, or the region, let's just say. So um, today we have John McMullen, Josh Britton, and John Michael O'Leary. Uh, gentlemen, if you would... Tell the listeners a little bit about your experience, who you are, and how you came to be connected to this wonderful collection here. Okay, well, everybody's looking at me, and I'll just Go say, let's, let's identify the players here. First yeah. of all, we all had a selection as writers in the book. Uh, Joshua is the editor, and I think he's the godfather of this project. It was his idea. John actually has a small publishing company, John McMullen, called Bird Brain Publishing, that he collaborated with Josh, and they put this thing together and got it into print. And I just happened to be one of the people that was able to contribute a piece to it and had a lot of fun in the process. Um, it's, a, it's a collection of writings, and they're all different. Every single one has a kind of a different slant, a different take. Uh, there's poetry, essays. Um, pretty cool, actually. The so, selection. So, uh, Josh, you're. Uh, mm -hmm. He says you're. You know, John Michael says you're the uh, architect behind this uh, fine book here. Tell sure. us a little bit about the inspiration. Uh, the inspiration is just I'm always looking for projects to do. Uh, I'm a musician. I'm, I'm a trombonist, and I've been writing, but I've also been writing seriously fiction or, or creative nonfiction for a number of years. Uh, and it's just my natural inclination to merge my loves, whatever that happens to be. It's always kind of been that way. You know, when I write, my, my characters are, are often musicians or at least are in musical experiences um, or situations. Um, so I got to know John a couple of years ago when I, I reached out to him about publishing a collection of short stories of mine. And... Um, and we got to talking because he also shares a, a great love of music. Um, and I was working for the Evansville Philharmonic at the time and just always, you know, always thinking of ways to bring people together, bring different areas of the community together. And there's there are obvious um, collaborations such as. You know, a lot of times uh, we will have actors on stage during the concerts um did that recently with um porgy and bess and uh and then the concert before that a, mid a midsummer night's dream um we also also have uh, artists often um when they do pictures of an ex exhibition or a piece like that um but a collaboration between a symphony orchestra and writers um, doesn't seem to happen as often, even though there's tons and tons and tons of music that has, has been written that's based on great, great works of literature, um, especially Shakespeare, but, but all, all sorts, um, novels or, or plays. Um, so it just seemed like a natural marriage to me. Um, I mentioned the idea to John first before bringing it to the Philharmonic, and fortunately everybody seemed to... Uh, pretty enthusiastic and, and it just kind of steamrolled from there. Yeah, the, uh, maybe you can tell the story again because 
it's an anthology mm-hmm. of, of, yeah. of, of different stories, as John Michael pointed out, but, uh, but how music, uh, especially in this area, we're very, very fortunate to have an or- full you know, orchestra symphony mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, the Evansville Philharmonic Orchestra and with a previous director, Alfred Savia, who was yeah. very involved in the, in the city and the area. And now with Roger Collier, and you were still there at the time. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you guys were brainstorming. And uh, and tell me how that all happened when you came to me. Well, I, I came to you first, actually. Um, <laughs> I, I feel it. I, yeah, I, no, go. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I was, you know, put out, put out feelers. Uh, you know, I didn't want to bring it to them if, you know, I didn't have anybody who wanted to publish it. Um, and you know, you could say the other way around, you, you don't want to bring it to you if, if nobody actually wants to, wants to write it. Um, but I, I went that way and, and I basically, I pitched to, to Roger and, and other, um, people at the Philharmonic, you know, very, very similar to what I, to what I just said, the, mm-hmm. how the collaborations between different communities some are some are more obvious this one is not as obvious but it seemed like an area we could build on um not necessarily capitalize on but but definitely uh, another you know area of the, compu- of the community to connect with yeah, we were glad to do it well, yeah, you mentioned uh, uh, maestro savia and kalia both have selections in the book right? yeah tell us a little bit about how you there's 20 plus you know contributions to yeah. this 28 total yeah so uh tell us how you were able to go and with i'm i'm sure the experience here in, in music and the rich history here in evansville how did you come up with the 28 sure well i i had uh, certain people in mind from the get-go but i did want it to be a, a pretty good split of uh, people who are primarily musicians and people who are primarily writers, um, and most of who I know are are musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I reached out to the more you know the the writers who you know, the more primarily writers that that I knew like like John like Tim Tim Heerdink and a couple others and but otherwise I just I kind of made a list and decided. Uh, all right, who who will make a good good mix? Uh, I don't want everybody to be brass players, for for instance. Um, I asked my wife; she was an obvious person for me to ask, and she's French horn, I'm trombone, so I figured, all right, that's we got brass covered. Um, yeah. We're just <laughs> we're just gonna um, move on from brass, and so there's some singers and a and a pianist. A good friend of mine, Tom, is a pianist. Um, Melanie, she plays piano. Right? Uh huh. Melanie's Melanie's a pianist. Yeah. Yeah. And. Um, you know, a lot of these people I I never met before, or I still haven't met. I, I'm I'm meeting John Michael for the first time today, actually. Um, John referred several people to me. Um, Tim Tim Heerdink really, for the most part, provide provided the poets. Um, I didn't I didn't know a lot of poets, and uh, he gave me a lot of names, and um, there were a couple other referrals. It was important to me to get. To you know, to to have Roger write something, and Alf, although Alfred uh, Savio wasn't with the orchestra anymore, uh, he's still music director emeritus. So I reached out to him. We always had a good relationship, as as far as I know, um, and he was he was enthusiastic as well. And there's U of E faculty, and there's USI faculty, and there's poets who've uh, poets and uh, who've published several books already and there there's a few writers who've never been published before i think it came out to be a pretty good mix yeah so you know this you we all have a history and you know i have these awesome these bios here that are you know john michael went 500 words or less which i'm very you know thankful for here um i actually have the shortest bio in the book if you go through and read that (laughs) so if you would before we really get into you know the questions that we typically go through and actually highlight a few of the pieces in the book would you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself starting with uh josh and then we'll go um We'll go left to right in the room. 
Sure. Um, well, I'm an, I'm an upstate New York native, actually. I grew up in Rochester, New York, and lived there. I went to college there, a small school called Roberts Wesleyan College, and I'm, um, that's, which is where I went, met my wife. And we, we left Rochester together to go to grad school at Florida State and, um, in Tallahassee. And you know, we were just talking about Michigan. This is your year. This, is, this, was, not, <laughs> this was not our year at all. Oh, my goodness. Um, and, uh, we, we ended up here in Evansville. Um, my wife just saw the job posting at U of E. I'd never heard of Evansville before. I'm sorry to say. (laughs) And I, to be perfectly honest, I didn't even bother to look up on the map where it was until after she was offered the job, but we lived here for six years and it was great. I, I still have, uh, I developed a lot of Evansville pride, really happy to be here. Um, I played trombone in a lot of different groups in Evansville and around the tri-state, um, Owensboro and, and down in Bowling Green and just, just various places. And um, so that's a, well, that's that's me. Yeah. Well, thank you, John. <laughs> well, I'm a native of Vincennes, Indiana, and that's where I grew up. And gosh, tying into music. It just seemed like I was always literally swimming almost in, in music, whether it was at church at the pipe organ or, you know, sitting on my dad's lap listening to music. Um, but I grew up in Vincennes and then after going to Vincennes University for two years, I actually was majoring in electronics technology. And I was just always fascinated with ethics and or philosophy and in college you have to take a you know the, the students say oh, i have to get get those humanities out of the way <laughs> and yeah. my class it was with dr uh, professor bernard verkamp at vincennes university who was teaching you know ethics and there was about 50 of us in the class and i was so taken i said this is you know because also i'm catholic and so we were you know, whether it was St. Augustine's Confessions or reading Thomas Aquinas or anything, uh, philosophy was just nat- seemed natural for me. And so I switched majors and then, and then transferred to St. Meinrad. Uh, at that time, they had a college. So I was in the seminary and I was discerning ministry. And then in 1989, I left seminary, but I was very close to earning my master's. And I came here to Evansville and Gosh, I met my wife here, uh, Mary Grace Bernardi, and then I went to work for uh, Modern Day High School as a teacher, kind of fell into that position and taught there for 24 years, mm-hmm. and then switched over into hospital and hospice chaplaincy, because what originally brought me to Evansville in the summer of 89, I did a 10-week stint uh, clinical pastoral education experience at Deaconess Hospital. And so I really always had a heart uh, of chaplaincy for people, people with faith, with no faith, and you know, just what is, what gives people hope, what keeps them going, what's their experience, how do they pray if they call it prayer, and what effects does the illness have on the, have on that faith or hopes or dreams or their family life. So, but in the midst of all that, I'm writing. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, from a very young age, I was writing. I had a little comic strip in my high, in my grade school um, newspaper, which basically was a mimeograph sheet, you know, and uh, I think it had four squares. And uh, it always ended in something horrible, you know. I always had that yeah. sense of the grotesque. Uh, Love Flannery O'Connor <laughs> as I grew older. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I just kept writing and then my wife, when I met, discovered that she loved to write. And uh, so teaching and, and even doing the chaplaincy, um, I said, you know, the local area, there's so many writers that may not be picked up by major publishers, but uh, there's a lot of voices out here that ought to be heard. And so that's what Bird Brain Publishing, that's why. It was kind of a bird brain of an idea. It was a <laughs> snow day that turned into a snow week. I think we had an inch of snow. No, it was more than that. But, but I'm watching, the, I'm feeding my birds, and I'm like, I get this harebrained idea. You know, you have to get an agent to get an agent, you know. Of course, right. things are yeah. really changed now after 
in the that's birdbrainpublishing.com thank you right John okay just yeah. Give me <laughs> that. yeah and sometimes john uh, i think of him as a far side comic because a lot of Thank times you, he'll, I think. He'll, he'll send me a text and all it'll be is a far side comic. And it's like, this is his thought for the day. Yeah. So I always appreciate getting those, John. Mm -hmm. uh, I just, I just barged in on no, you. No, I'm but I felt like you'd had enough time. I and, did. <laughs> but uh, yeah, John Michael uh, O'Leary. I am from Evansville. I grew up here. I went to Harrison High School, uh, attended University of Evansville. My back, my studying was in... Uh, English and marketing, and for the last 30 plus years, I've been a commercial writer. Started out in sales, but moved into the creative side of marketing. And uh, music has always been a big part of my life. I uh, started singing and playing the piano in first grade uh, when I got into grade school, and that's part of my story in the book. And over the years, I've sung with a lot of different groups, Philharmonic Chorus, the Germanian Manichor, several parish choirs, the Diocesan Choir, and uh, had a couple of nice experiences in the local civic theater in musical comedies, playing Brother Brooks in Monkey Business, and then playing uh, the male lead in a tribute to Frank Sinatra called My Way, and kind of got bit by the jazz bug a little bit and started performing out um, with piano accompanist and sometimes uh, jazz ensemble. And today uh, I'm singing with the uh, St. Benedict uh, Cathedral Choir up there in their newly renovated loft, which is fabulous. Yeah. And also performing with uh, a jazz vocalist, Barbara Santora, who's been a jazz vocalist in Vegas and on the USO tour, and we perform as the side-by-side -side duo, and we actually have six, soon to be seven, original songs on Spotify under Barbara's name. You can find them if you do a search for Barbara Santora. And these are, are jazz tunes that uh, we've cooked up. And so that's kind of my story uh, in a nutshell tell you more but i don't want to bore you any more than i already have <laughs> well that just uh that just sets the tone there's there's a lot of a lot of rich connection to obviously the university of evansville uh, chris petroskevich is the new president he was in uh not too long ago talking about how that experience is changing there so tell me a little bit about since i, I this is my hometown, this is the, the th you know, I'm a huge advocate for Southern Indiana in the region. Tell me how your, your time as either, you know, coming from Vincennes or coming from outside into Evansville, how has the Evansville experience shaped your music, uh, music experience? Well, it was great. Um, we, we moved here and, you know, compared to some bigger cities, I, I got to know the the music scene you know fairly quickly um because i was connected through my wife to the to u of e the music department there um that you know that gave me some good connections immediately i played in the faculty brass quintet um i wasn't on faculty but i helped fill it out and um i did some work for the philharmonic immediately just part-time and that kind of let you know got me to got everybody to know who I was and who, who um, me, who they know who they were. Um, I played with a Philharmonic, but by, I guess by the end of the first year, um, there was a group called Tales and Scales. I don't know if you guys know yeah. Tales and Scales. Yeah. They worked and, on the um, website once. Yeah, they, they had reformed. So I was, I was a member of Tales and Scales for two years, which was a lot of fun um, going around to, to different schools. I played in River, the River Brass Brass Band. Um, it's based out of out of Evansville here. That competes at the National Association of British Brass Bands. I forget it's NABA. I forget exactly what it stands for. But it's that was a that was a good group. A lot of fun. Had some good good uh, friendships from there. Um, so I, I really I grew as a music as a musician a lot. 
um, during my time here, and and it was it was great. I, you know, I'm, I was sorry to I was sorry to leave, um, but I'm, I'm happy to like I was saying I was here yesterday for the symphonic band concert, so I'm happy to be able to come back for certain things. When I yeah when I was uh, growing up, as I said in Vincennes, you know, there was limited experiences. Uh, the like the national players would perform at Vincennes University. We did some musicals. I went to Vincennes Gervais, so it was a smaller school. Um, but it was that transformative experience when it was Bach, Johann Sebastian Bach's 300th birthday, that uh, the IU Baroque Players and Choral Society came and performed on the campus. I believe it was like April 3rd or some, or anyway, it was right near Bach's birthday, which is March 25th, and that was 1985. And it really opened a whole new vista for me. And then when I went to St. Meinrad, I sang in the uh, Scola, and I studied music. I tinkered with the piano, but mostly learning the lives of composers and, and different musical styles, all, all musical genres, you know, mm -hmm. whether rock or bluegrass or or classical or Gregorian chant or Baroque. And I remember uh, a friend of mine was a law student at IU and we went to the mock, the Musical Arts Center there. And it was the first time I ever experienced a full orchestra. And they did uh, Dvorak's Carnival Overture, The New World, and Tchaikovsky's Symphony Number no. 4. So it was like took your breath away for that's, me. That's a heavy program. It was. <laughs> and then I went back, and then they did Prokofiev's uh, Real Moon and Juliet, both suites. Uh, oh. But when my when I came to Evansville, oh my goodness, we have a Philharmonic Orchestra here. Yeah. And my wife, and I mean, at the time we were just, you know, courting one another, but we're very interested, and in, we likely saw John Michael on stage at the Civic Theater. Uh, we would take part in you know, and U of E, Shanklin Theater, uh, amazing works that are done there. But the Philharmonic and, and Stuart Kershaw was just departing around the time my wife and I, or the time we became an item, and Alfred Sabia came on. So we, I kind of grew up with him, and now Roger's here. But very, very fortunate. And music is such an important part of, of my our life. Uh, just always has kind of formed formed me yeah john michael i know uh i i learned a little bit about your uh your music experience in in your piece in the book but how uh how has being a musician in evansville indiana shaped you over the years that's a good question I, you meet a lot of kindred spirits when you're a musician and there have been times in my life when I have felt like the only people I could really trust or open up to are other musicians because there's a kind of a bond there that if you can't share the gift of music um, you really are missing a dimension uh, in a relationship that, that's I'm not really expressing it properly but um, there are a lot of great musical souls in this community, uh, people who really dedicate themselves to the art. And I know a lot of guys that um, live, actually, just to be able to perform, and you know, they don't have a, any other job than looking for a gig mm -hmm. and taking what they can get, you know, yeah. in the process of doing it. It's just something they have to do. You know, it's like... I guess people who dance, if you feel like you're a dancer, you've, you've got to dance yeah. somewhere, somehow. And a lot of times that means, especially for musicians, you're doing it for super cheap or free uh, in many cases. Unless you're fortunate enough to achieve you know, a position where you've got um, an organization that's funded or... Um, you know, I, I would guess for everybody that's making a living and actually paying the bills with yeah. music, there's a hundred or a thousand that are doing it just out of love and actually 
putting bread on the table in some other way. Yeah. Yeah. So 28 different contributors. Uh-huh. Go through and give me a, do you have a personal top three? I mean, can, can we go in and say, hey, give me a, give me one that you'd like to call out. Tell me a little bit about um, one of the, the pieces in the book. Or even just start with how long did that take? Yeah. That's well, a lot you of go. cats. Got to, a great qu- it's a lot of that. cats to herd. Yeah, 28. Yeah. Yeah. 28. <laughs> and get emails sent and phone calls, right? There are a lot of emails. Um, I th- yeah, I think uh, we got the ball rolling in, in November, maybe October, when we started talking about it. But it was the very beginning of January where where I kind of compiled a list of people to contact and reached out to them. And, and uh, really, most, most people I reached out to were, were really interested. Um, there were a couple who were like, eh, but, but most people were, were very enthusiastic about it. Um, and I'd, I'd had a deadline of... I want to say it was June 15th. I don't know if you remember. And not everybody adhered to that deadline. Including me. It got, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. <laughs> yeah, it got a, it got a little stressful, but, but we got everybody in there. There, there wasn't anybody I said, sorry, no, you're out of time. Um, and uh, I, I mentioned earlier, there were you know a few people I really wanted to um, focus on, on luring in. And um, I was you know, successful in that. Um, a top three. I'm not, I'm not going to give a top three. I don't want to, I don't want to give, uh, give yeah. us one that, uh, definitely, um, you know, after, after it came in, you're like, you know, or we'll, or I'll, I'll help take you off the hot seat. Did you, <laughs> did you get enough response or did you feel like, would there be a second book or would there be a follow-up? Uh, this? there, yeah, I got enough response that, that, um, we could do a second book. We haven't we haven't talked about doing that, but uh, there were times where I was I was afraid it would be too long. I think it's I think it's a good length. Yeah. Um. But but there were a few moments like oh oh boy nobody's gonna make it make it to the end. Um. <laughs> but but it's what is it two hundred thirteen or something and so that's a nice that's a nice yeah. length plus plus bios at the end. Um. I guess I'll I'll highlight. Um, two that, well, the one by Christine Wish, um, I, I put, I, you know, there's two poems at, at first, and then I put her essay was the first essay, and, and I thought that really was a good way to, you know, not not a prologue necessarily, but a good way to kick things off because it it kind of explains it explains what musicology is, and she goes into it into depth like her her own experience as a mus- musicologist uh, specifically with a, a Bellini transcript that she found and, and um, researching it and she kind of spells it out I thought that was really interesting and a really really nice way to kind of kick things off and then the next the next big essay and I, I you know I'm not going to go through everything but just the next one of Bingen, I'll bet. yeah oh that was that was fantastic um mm-hmm. Actually, I, John, um, I'll let you uh, say say a word about that one by by Sister Gina. But I was I was going to say the next actually in the book is the musical venues in early Evansville. Mm-hmm. Um, Kristen Strandberg and Melanie Baker uh, co-wrote that. Uh, Kristen is a professor at U of E. Melanie is uh, one of her former students who's active in the in the area as a pianist and uh, and a choir director. And not not everything in the book is as Evansville specific as that essay, but I thought it was just absolutely mm-hmm. fascinating. It goes back about 200 years and talks about just the, the different performance venues, concert halls and, um, you know, theaters, and most most of which aren't there anymore. A lot of them, you know, as, as in any city, a lot of them have burned down or been torn down, but that was great. And she provided some really good pictures um, so if you're like at all interested in Evansville history, uh, that's a, that was a must read also. Um, there was a mixture, like when I, when I reached out to people, I, you know, I wasn't interested in, in having fiction in the book, even though I'm, I'm primarily a fiction writer, but I wanted, you know, the essays to be kind of memoir, like personal essays or informative essays, 
um, creative nonfiction, and then and then poetry as well, which in poetry tends to be uh, personal and, and and falls into that um, that category also. So those those two were were more on the informative side, and well, you know, Rogers and uh, I'm just going down the list here: Jeremy Kings and Alfreds and. Um, well, both both of yours are more on the personal side, the uh, personal essay, um, which is which is great. Um, it was nice to have that mixture. Another thing I wanted to do a lot of times in journals, like if you if you just pick up a literary literary journal, it's everything is separated. You know, you have your fiction section, and then if there's any nonfiction, they'll kind of stick that in the middle, and then and then the poetry at the end, and it's all it's all separate. Um, and I've never, I've never liked that, even though it is kind of the industry, industry standard. Um, that's why I've got everything kind of mixed, mixed together, you know, poem, essay, poem, poem, essay, essay, that kind of thing. It was fun coming up with an order, like things that would, would relate to each other. Um, you know, not everything does, but well, the poem right after mine, for example, is, is bone music bone music i'm a trombone player so you got to put bone music next to me right oh yeah <laughs> you had mentioned uh sister gina yeah Bissell, yeah who is a sister of at ferdinand who monastery immaculate conception but she's an amazing uh, person she's obviously studied gregorian chant yeah uh, hildegard of bingen in particular she also is um uh, she studied icon painting, but uh, her entry is pretty fascinating. It was, yeah. And Hildegard of Bingen, uh, this famous nun, sister, Benedictine, who's a doctor of the church, is uh, just a, her music became real popular. You may all remember some of her music. And if you, a simple search of Hildegard of mm -hmm. Bingen whether it's Spotify or YouTube or wherever. And there's a lot of it out there. Um, just tons of music. Mm -hmm. And she was only um, named a, a saint fairly recently, right? It's probably the wrong term, but... I think it was Pope Benedict who made her, yeah. declared her a doctor of the church. Yeah. The beautiful thing about singing and music, uh, obviously one can be a solitary artist, but there's so much, and I think John Michael, you touched on this earlier. There's so much you have, we have to listen to one another. <laughs> and there's music is a dialogue. Even Mozart, uh, among others, talked about even the silence between the notes is essential to music. And so when people are communicating, you know, and you mentioned the artists, there is that wonderful chemistry that um, that just among people you just know someone who's a, who's a kindred soul you know um, music maybe I'm not articulating it enough but but Evansville is a community and there is a community of musicians and music lovers and and, and art and lovers of art and so anyway I thought that that was really something that was brought out in this book, and I would be interested in another volume because uh, there were a lot of interest, and now we've had other people say, "Well, I could have written something." You know? Yeah, I, th I, I think I even put this in the, the what did I call it, Pro the prologue or whatever. That af after we were putting the finishing touches on this, um, I kept thinking of people in the in the forward. I kept thinking of people I should have asked that probably would have been interested and would have been great and felt feel a little guilty nobody's nobody's yelled at me yet for leaving them out but i've kind of been anticipating well, i think, that. A, I think a, <laughs> another you know addition part do would be easy to come up with enough content for so as you went to assemble mm -hmm. this were there any what you know, was there, uh, you said you had looked at, okay, so we have brass and we have, <laughs> you're yeah. kind of going through, you know, trumpet, trombone, you know, you're, you're reaching out to individuals, uh, musicians. Yeah. Um, was there anyone that said, 
not I, I appreciate it but you know what I I play this I'm not a writer I, I, I it, how how easy was it for you to get that individual to commit to actually writing an essay or or a story that's going to be published like did you get any pushback from any of your uh, invites to go you know what I play the trombone and and that's it you know, what, was that, <laughs> what was that experience like to reach out and ask individual you know 28 individuals to write yeah you know an essay for a book no it wasn't it, it wasn't hard to tell you the truth uh, I mean if somebody said they didn't want to that is like okay yeah um, and I didn't I didn't push it uh, there weren't that many people who said they didn't want to there were there were a couple who said um, um, they'd think about it they, they didn't know if they'd be comfortable doing something like this I just I just kind of let it go at that if they if yeah. they wanted to follow through great um, if not um, too bad I mean there were at least two people that I can think of who had um, enthusiastically committed and uh, is just just didn't follow through um, for they both had different reasons and it was it was you know it was disappointing um, I thought I thought it would have been great but yeah hey, you know life happens what, what are you gonna do sometimes the creative voice you know really does want to contribute Mm-hmm. But as we sit down and, and we start to sculpt the message and we start to write it and we go deep into it. And then next thing you know, we look over and it's three weeks later mm-hmm. and I'm still trying to go back and refresh it and whatever. The pressure just mounts until we just we've tried to perfect it up here so much because yeah. oftentimes we try to communicate it. We can't really communicate it. And then, boom, deadline is hit. And it has passed, and oh my goodness, we've lost a little bit yeah. uh, in translation by just trying to be perfect. And right. as yeah. you will see with the creative side of things, that that sometimes does happen. And sometimes too, uh, in this particular case for me as a writer, you know, my experience in writing has always been to sell a hamburger, just to kind of mm-hmm. basically uh, as a commercial writer. I don't do a lot of this kind of writing. And to have the invitation and then a prompt actually puts me into a a new direction for my creativity. And I think a lot of times writers can kind of just feel uninspired until they get that prompt and said, this is what we need. This is what you need to create. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's been my experience because I've always had to do it in the commercial realm. You know, you have a product or a service or something that needs to be sold. And so you look at how to tell that story. Yeah. It was a refreshing change of pace for me. Tell us a little bit about about your your uh, entry into the book. Well, I describe being a choir boy. That's how I identify myself, choir boy <laughs> at large. And I started with this. For me, it was like a Pearl Harbor moment, or you could say a 9-11 moment. Everybody has those personal moments of, of great shock or trauma in their lives when they're little that kind of form you. And for mine, it was getting up and singing in front of my class with my zipper down. And I didn't know until after I'd finished my little song (laughs) and the girl in the front row pointed at it and said, Oh, your, your zippers down. And so I was humiliated and, but I was able to overcome it and keep singing. And to me, that's uh, did any fun nicknames come of that? <laughs> if, if they did, you know, I'm, I'm oblivious. But uh, I think that's the a good point for everyone who's doing something. Don't let criticism keep you from doing what you really love. And I think a lot of times people get too hung up on what the critics say and and don't realize that there's always going to be a critic, even if something is perfect, you're going to find somebody who's got enough barrels of ink to make you feel bad, you know. So um, that's kind of one of my, my takeaways from my story in the, in the book. But it's, uh, yeah. I think there was a really, it was very interesting how I came into the writing, your very writing of that story. Do you remember you called me? Because your experience as a choir boy was at uh, 
Christ the King Church. Right. Yes, exactly. Oh, that's that's a good point. John is a, a deacon at Christ the King. And one of the memories I wanted to really explore for my piece was the time that I spent in that choir loft over at Christ the King, which no longer exists per se because it's been remodeled away from the worship space. But that was a very formative place for me singing in the choir at Christ the King when I was about 10 years old. And we had about, I'm guessing, 40 voices, maybe 50 men and boys combined. It was an SATB chorus of men and boys. And we did some pretty difficult music back then. And to revisit that space, John got me back up there. And I was able to look at it and sort of visualize what that looked like 60 years ago. It was really fascinating because whether it's a certain place or a space, some places in our lives have great, great emotional energy. And, yeah. And, and I was with you and it was... I was almost reliving it with you when we went yeah, up the I mean, back I saw stairwell the, uh, that still exists. Yes, yeah. I mean the I could see the the uh, where the conductor stood, the, the choir director, and the organist. You know where we all stood as singers, mm -hmm. and it was just kind of it was emotional. Talk about you know an emotional response in a space. Mm -hmm. That was it. Yeah. I think, uh, Mike, they just took your question. I know they did. They, they weaved it in there. Well, yeah, I was going to ask because they talked about history. So I was going to change mine to be more like where are the spaces in Evansville that that you really, when you go see a show or, you know, one that comes to mind when you bring up jazz is like Deerhead, you know, and you go there and sometimes they have little bands and jazz bands. And it's always the nice, it's always been one of my spaces that I enjoy just the way they set it up. Uh, the way they do it, it just, it makes for a nice, intimate feeling space mm -hmm. to listen to music. But what are some of your favorite spaces? Can yeah. I just touch yeah. on the deer head real quick? <laughs> this is way out of the room, but a year, the year anniversary of Tom Petty's death, there was a, what was it? It was just everybody who was anybody came together and performed and it was standing I mean people we were just packed in there were you there it, no. was, it was amazing it was a Tom Petty a tribute yeah. Mm -hmm. tribute yeah well c coming up on December 8th let me get a little plug in here uh, the Veterans for Peace in Evansville is sponsoring it's John Lennon night at the Boca Lounge hmm. it's the yeah. anniversary of John Lennon's assassination in 1980 and it's a night for local musicians to come out and play obviously songs from the Lennon McCartney book there'll be other songs too we've got about 10 different musical acts as well as uh, I think Bill Sovereign slam poet's going to be there and the, the event raises money for Afghan resettlement and, and it's all it's going to Team Rubicon USA so it's a fundraiser for that Veterans for Peace, John Lennon Night, Boca Lounge, December 8. Thanks for letting me get that little plug in there. <laughs> Always. Yeah. Any other, what other spaces that, you know, as we go around the Evansville area, you know, yeah. get bring that emotional connection to music? Well, well, for me, um, it, it's from the perspective of a performer. And, you know, I, I didn't grow up here, so it's, there's not... I don't have a lot of nostalgia um, to to draw on, but um, some of my my first really rewarding performances here in Evansville were in Wheeler Concert Hall at U of E. Um, I played there a lot with Shepard Brass, the the, the faculty quintet, um, as well as other ensembles, and I, I performed a couple of solo recitals in there too, and. Um, so I always, I always really enjoyed being in there. It's, it's being completely renovated now. It had major water damage about a year and a half ago. Um, the, the mock-ups look fantastic. I'll hopefully be able to get in there sometime when it's finished up. Um, you also, John Michael, you mentioned the Boca. 
uh, I, they do jazz every Sunday at, at the Boca, and I've I've played there a number of times, either in a big band or, um, or more more in a jazz quintet or quartet if if somebody can't show up, um, and that's 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 been a lot of fun. It's that's always a really good experience, um, to 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 play in there. Yeah, I've got a gig coming up on February thirteenth at the Boca, my side by side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I'm, the wind down is a nice space. Have you been up in there? I've been there. Yeah, I've um, I haven't played there, uh, but I've I've been in there and I've heard a couple other people play. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a nice intimate place. It's a great place to yeah. perform or listen to music. How important is that physical? You know, the physical space to you as a musician as you connect with, you know, not only the music but you know the audience and in setting the tone for your performance that night? I, I think more than anything, you want it to sound good uh, and you want it to feel good from where you are. Um, you know, if, if you feel good, if you feel like you're, you're hearing everything the way it should, then you're going to play better. And, um, and that's going to, in theory, enhance the experience for everybody. Um, one of the things I, I really liked about Wheeler was the seats wrapped around a little bit. Like it didn't go all the way behind you, like in like Symphony Hall in Chicago, but it did. It did wrap around. So like the way I the way I would sit in the brass quintet, um, if it was a packed house, there would be people directly behind me. Not a lot because it's I think it's only two rows of you know four chairs or something. I always thought that was really neat. Um, the eye camp always packed it out and. And uh, I, I think we had we had people sitting there a couple of times. That was that was a lot of fun just to just to be like, wow, they're really they're really packing in. It's standing room only, almost, you know, because <laughs> those are typically the last seats anybody would want to anyone would want to sit. But I was just thinking, you know, the the question, where do you perform? And sometimes you just perform where you can. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I, I yeah. think of this Joni Mitchell song for free, which is this ballad about this guy who's just standing out on the street corner, musician performing, just because he has to, mm-hmm. and you know people are coming by, maybe they're dropping a, a quarter in his in his hat or just walking on past. You know, you see the people on the street musicians that are taking any corner they can, go to what's the the city and trying to think North Carolina where you walk around and, and it seems like there is somebody busking is that the term on every mm-hmm. corner <laughs> you know with their guitar their accordion or something and yeah. this is kind of cool the the space there is just wherever they can yeah mm-hmm. yeah as a lover of music and you know I can't remember what was the where the Evansville Philharmonic performed it was was it the Civic Center? Is that where they? Yeah, the Gold Rim was it? I thought I thought they played at Old National Events Plaza for yes, a little bit. It was I think it was called oh. the Civic Center. But, okay. But I remember when they first restored the Victory and opened it, mm-hmm. and our boys were small, and being able to share the love of music with our with our sons, and I I'll pick one. My mom, uh, we took her with the boys when we saw uh, Tchaikovsky's Nutcracker. And just the joy on my mom's face, uh, because that's an experience that she didn't have in Vincennes, you know. Uh, and then our sons, of course, heard the music at our house, but to, to hear it live and to see it performed in the dance. Wonderful, that's just about one memory of the victory for me. Yeah, the, the they performed the Nutcracker over in the Victory for years. I don't know if is it still on the agenda for this year to be performed here. It is. Um, it's uh, two weekends from now. Two weekends from now, which is before this is going to air. But <laughs> yeah. so uh, we are fifty-two minutes. See how quickly oh, that, well. that goes yeah. into our conversation here as we start to wrap it up 
Um, for our listeners, we've said the word experience, mm-hmm. I don't know, numerous times. What is, Josh, what does that word mean to you? Like, how would you define the word experience? You know, the, the exper- word experience has um, kind of negative connotations in the fine arts world, or probably in other ways, too. It's like, how, how are you going to get experience if they're only going to hire people with experience? <laughs> um, and then, and then the other, the other thing is, you know, people will, will, um, be like, Hey, I'm, I'm looking for musicians. We, we can't pay anything, but it'll be a great, a great experience so that, you know, that, that works well if you're, you know, a sophomore in college, but if, <laughs> if you're trying to feed <laughs> right. your kids, it really rubs you the wrong way. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's nice to, at this point in my life, I, f- I feel like I do have really good experience. I can promote myself well by you know, by saying the things, the things that I've done. Um, but you still, you still remember those times from 10 or 12 years ago. It's like, ah, come on, <laughs> give us, give us a, give us a chance. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's, that goes back to our profession too, because yeah. we have the same, same issue. So it's always like trying to explain the, the best line I ever heard was you're not paying me to do this project or to perform this one time you're paying me for 18 years of experience that's right that's right yeah and skill that i've built up over time yeah yeah there's that there's that great meme that goes around facebook a lot it's like it's a picture of a it's an iceberg and and but it's the profile so there's the little bit that's sticking about sticking above the water and then the 95 percent of it that's under the water and there's the what people think they're paying for <laughs> yeah. po- pointing at the top <laughs> right. and what you're actually getting yeah. is is the it's the like bulk. the client that got a bill and balked at the fee because she didn't think that it really took that long to make the changes to the design that she mm-hmm. requested and so she said to the, the billing lady well how long did it take the art director to actually do this and she said 20 minutes and 20 years yeah <laughs> yeah and that is often the challenge yeah. for us as well um it's it's always you know well i could i could go to this website and i can get 500 logos for 200 dollars, and uh you know that uh that experience of the 20 plus years in the industry and mm-hmm. and knowing to go through the consumer profile and look at do you want a logo or do you do you want your logo yeah Yeah. so yeah i can appreciate that uh that that word can have a negative connotation john what's what's your how would you define the word experience maybe i'm coming at it from a total different perspective but to truly experience something to, to to feel it to to be in that moment you know and as mu- you as musicians, or myself as a, one who appreciates music, just being in the moment to, to, you know, do what you're doing, to to be attentive to, to to truly, well, experience it. Yeah. John Michael? Well, experience, I think is the ability to see two or three moves ahead. I There's this great scene in this movie called Searching for Bobby Fischer, where the little kids, the chess, the chess phenom, and he gets into the tournament, and he's just about to lose. And I think it's his coach, mentor, whoever's looking over his shoulder, and he sees this really elegant move You know, Mm -hmm. he goes, oh, I hope he sees it. I hope he sees it. And there's this moment where the kid looks like he's just going to give up. But then suddenly it clicks and he sees it and he sees every move on the board all the way to checkmate, which is a real complicated thing to get him to the end of the game. Yeah. And for me, I think the more experience you have, the more you can see further ahead the consequences of what one move can make right now and all the possible outcomes. Yeah. And knowing from that, I love one of my favorite movies too, but knowing that he gave his opponent, and in that moment he said, hey, we can draw. I think he said, he offered him a draw. <laughs> yeah, the and opponent he saw it take too. it because yeah. he was so like, no, because he was so about winning <laughs> yeah. that he couldn't see it. And uh-huh. 
So you also understand, you know, from that experience that, hey, here's the best possible outcome based on everything we're doing. Mm -hmm. The path you want to go, you're not going to be happy in the end. And I already see that. Mm -hmm. And I can help you go this way. But if you push me to go that way, we'll go that way. But Yes. (laughs) And how many times do we not listen (laughs) to the voice of experience? Yeah. It's something that I've. My whole life, I've struggled with. I've I've had good advice at times, and I said, "No, I'm gonna I'm gonna go my way." And then I get there, and I go, "Oh, you know what? Yeah, uh, that was good advice. <laughs> I wish I would have listened to that." A little bit of knowing yourself, right? That yeah, as a creative, we that's what we do, right? I have to experience it myself. I have to go through the struggle. Yeah, right. I, go I got to get that black guy. Yeah. So I really understand it. And then you go, "Yep, I knew you were." Yeah. I, it's frustrating when you're a parent and <laughs> oh, absolutely, you know, 100%. and you see the same thing playing out in your kids, yeah. and you always hope, well, they're going to be smarter than I was. Yeah. <laughs> and part of experience, you experience something, you do this. You know what? You take time to look back and reflect on that, and maybe do a new action in the future. <laughs> yeah. You hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> So as we wrap up here on the, you know, the notes will carry me home. This is, where, where can where can we find well, this? I, did we ever talk about the title? How the title yeah. come about? Where'd that come from? Where did that, <laughs> real quick, sorry. Go, go in there. I don't know that we touched on that. I was, I was stressed about the title. I, I had no ideas whatsoever. I might have mentioned it to you. I mentioned it to a couple of people, just like, if you have any ideas... Let me know. Uh, but once uh, once everything started rolling in, once people started sending me their submissions, um, this particular line came from one of the poems, and it just stuck me uh, struck me as, as it's, it's perfect. You know, home. This is you know not every not every writing in here is Evansville specific, but it is a you know everybody is from g- this general area. A lot of the essays mention Evansville if they're not overtly about it. So to me, home is, you know, home is Evansville, of course, in the, in the tri-state. And that's the, that's the last poem I, I decided to con- conclude the whole book with that line. It's the last po- poem, Trip the Self-Poetrusic, by James D. Casey IV. Um, he actually lives in Illinois. He has a, a publishing company, too, uh, Cajun Mutt Press. And uh, yeah, the notes will carry. The, they're the last six words of the of the book, and it just it just seemed perfect since it was, you know, sp- you know, specific to this area. Is you know, it's not something I'm trying to market to people in you know England or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Although, feel free to buy it if you're listening <laughs> from from England. <laughs> That's right. It's a mere fourteen ninety five. Bargain at twice the price. Yeah. And it's yeah, you available in fine booksellers all over town. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's available at your brother's bookstore just right down the road here on Main, uh, Blue Stocking Social, um, on uh, South Weinbach, real close to Lincoln, and H and H Music had uh, has copies, um, and you can get it from the usual online uh, culprits as well. The rare bird. Rare. That's yes. right. Rare rare bird gifts on on uh, on on Lincoln, mm-hmm. near uh, South St. James. Um, any forget anywhere? Any? What about the airport? Did they get them out there? They can. <laughs> the airport can get them if they want. Oh, okay, I thought they. Well, you know, reading and. Reading through the book, and once again going back to John Michael, I know your your you one of your experiences with the Phil or the uh, Germania Manicore really. You're we were talking about it on the phone, and then I went and read like your excerpt, and basically it literally, um, you know, our experience and our connection with the river, and how mm-hmm. it brought us here and how you reflected that back through music was was is 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 wonderful you want to talk a little bit about where that came from real quick as we kind of wrap up here with the notes will carry me home sure well i was uh 
member of Germania's Manicor for several years singing with them. And one day the director approached me and said, you know, I wish we had a song about the connection to the Ohio River that we could sing. It seems like that's mm. what drew a lot of the German people to this area. Maybe it was because it felt like home with the rivers, the great rivers of Germany. So I said, well, I'll, I'll take that under advisement. And then I, the song came to me, Beautiful River, and I arranged it for the chorus to sing. They did sing it in one of their concerts. And for the book, I went ahead and arranged it for people to have the solo voice version. Yeah. And they can download it right by the QR code that's in the book. It's on the Bird Brain publishing site. And they can print it out and play it and enjoy it at home if they want. Um, but, yeah, I had a, a real sense of pride in that song and a feeling of... Uh, accomplishment in writing it and I hope that anyone who decides to take a look at it enjoys it yeah no it's it's great it's wonderful um how can our listeners connect with each one of you I mean digital media is prevalent today I know everybody probably yeah you have two uh tiktok channels and (laughs) youtube you know following and all that but how do the listeners connect with you josh uh i've got um i've got a twitter handle it's at jp underscore britain um and i also have a website it's joshua hyphen britain.com and that's got that has links to um this book as well as my my book tadpoles the short story collection as well as links to um other short stories that haven't been compiled in a book yet and um, yeah. contact information as well. Um, you can find me, John William McMullen. I'm still on Facebook or Meta, whatever they're calling it. <laughs> <laughs> For good or ill. Uh, but birdbrainpublishing.com. And I'm also on LinkedIn, which is perhaps more respectful. <laughs> John Michael? Yeah, I, I don't do Facebook. And I'm giving up on Twitter, but I can be reached at writerjmo.com or LinkedIn, John Michael O'Leary. Yeah. Mike, how do the listeners connect with you? I haven't. Uh, how they, they, are, they should already know that. Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, do you have any, like, do. other than vpsarc.com, do you, what, what's your favorite, cha- you know, favorite Nothing. platform today? Get rid of it all. Get rid of it all. <laughs> yeah. That's what I did. You, brother. <laughs> and deleted it all. You deleted it all. Oh, took it all off. Said, nope. Done. All right. Took a break this year. And I think he's serious. Good. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I got a new phone and didn't install one app that I had. So. That's a good way to do it. Just yeah. accidentally lose the phone or drop just, the phone, just becoming, shatter it. It's and becoming more noise than yeah. anything else. Well... Once again, I want to thank all of you for coming in to the Extension Studio today to talk about the notes will carry me home. John Michael, I really appreciate. John Michael uh, actually reached out to me and said, hey, you know, that podcast you have, I have a a recommendation. (laughs) I have a recommendation because we always ask for people who... People know when you listen to at 530 on Main, we always wrap up with we we need you to like, share, all that. But if there is anyone in our area, uh, region, you know, country that would be willing to come out, uh, please send their contact information to us. We'd love to have them on the podcast. And John Mag- Michael did that. Yeah. And as a result, today we're in here with Josh, John, and John Michael. And uh, you can do the same. You can do that. You can find the at 530 on Main podcast on itunes google you can find it on all the the streaming platforms uh the team does a really good job of making sure that you can find this uh podcast wherever you uh consume your uh podcast uh listening pleasures um and i have to thank the team here at extend for doing that but at 5:30 on main please like share it 
come to the website. You can find it on vpsart.com. You can find it on extendgroup.com. There's really big icons, right? If you scroll down the page, there's really big icons that say at 530 on main. It looks like the little at symbol with a microphone right in the middle of it. It says 530 on main. That's because we are at 530 on main. That's a cool logo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little... Uh, oh, that is cool, yeah. Yeah, has the uh, at symbol. Is that one of those 50 logos you get for 200 bucks? <laughs> <laughs> I think we went over that one a couple more times. <laughs> they added yellow to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we are at the corner of 6th and Main here in Evansville, Indiana. Um, at 530 on Main, brought to you by VPS Architecture, the Extend Group. Like, share, tell us uh, whatever we need to do better or what we're doing right. We'll share that with uh, the listeners here on the podcast. We are over our hour and we respect your time. I respect all your time. Thank you so much for joining us today on the At 530 on Main podcast brought to you by Extend Group, VPS Architecture, John Michael, Mike, John, as I hit my head here, Josh on the microphone. We uh, so appreciate you uh, contributing and sharing you know, the music heritage that we have here and uh, coming to share your story with us today. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us, really. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of At 530 on Main, hosted by Sean Collins and Mike Davis. Please leave us a review and share your thoughts on today's episode. Let us know how you've been inspired or what you would like to hear on future episodes. And if you've enjoyed the conversation, help us spread the word. Share us on your social channels. Message a friend. Rate the podcast. Without you, this experience would not be possible.